Hello, this is Avni Majitia Sejpal and you're listening to the New Thinking Podcast. Today, I'm at the Dallas City Hall with David Slayton, who is Administrative Director of the Texas Office of Court Administration in Austin. We're both here at Reinvesting in Justice, a conference that brings together a wide range of criminal justice practitioners to discuss challenges and highlight innovative work being done in the field of criminal justice across the state of Texas and elsewhere. David is speaking on a panel about procedural justice in a little while here, specifically as procedural justice intersects with thinking about racial disparity in the justice system. David, welcome to the New Thinking Podcast. It's great to be here. Today's big subject is reinvesting in justice. From where you sit, what does reinvesting in justice even look like, and why is it so important right now? You know, I think right now we face uh, really challenging times in making sure that the dollars and the efforts that we put into to criminal justice are being effective at what we want them to do, um, that the outcomes are important. It's not just about inputs and outputs anymore, whereas maybe in the past that was a, a huge focus of how many cases can we get done or how many are we having filed, really more focusing on are, are we actually making an impact with the efforts that we're putting in? And um, I think that's a exciting thing to be able to focus on as we do our work. For the benefit of those who are not here today, can you summarize what your panel is going to be about and what you specifically will be talking about? You know, I think, uh, so we have the Dallas City uh, Police Chief uh, on the panel, which will be really interesting to hear his perspective on, on law enforcement's interaction with the public. Um, you know, we're going to have the Deputy Director of the Texas Indigent Defense Commission, whose focus is upon on court-appointed counsel and, of course, making sure that there's a, um, a feeling of uh, fairness in that system. Um, and I'm particularly focusing on uh, procedural fairness and the work that we're doing in the state to try to make sure that people not only are being treated fairly, but that they feel that they're tr- being treated fairly in the court system. And uh, obviously, uh, that feeling is as important as the reality. And can you talk about procedural fairness? Sure. One of the, the key things with procedural fairness is that, you know, we want to make sure that when people enter the court system, that they know what to do and that they understand what's going on. Uh, you know, the court system has been around for centuries and it's it's built for attorneys who are very learned in the system and understand exactly how it works built for judges sometimes the language that's used and the procedures that are used in the courts um, uh, are not as easily understandable to the public and sometimes that leads to confusion leads to feelings of unfairness um, and so making sure that people not only are treated fairly but that they understand what's going on that they um, are um, uh, able to understand those procedures and the forms and the and the languages that's going on is really important and then obviously at the end of the day making sure that people are indeed treated fairly based upon the situation in their case uh, and that outcomes are similar for all different groups no matter uh, what their background is there is a lot of discussion across the spectrum about racial disparities in the criminal justice system and outside of it can you talk about how maybe procedural fairness actually addresses that or can possibly address that? Yeah, I think one of the the real key things that's important, I'm going to be talking about this on my panel today, is the need for us to really take a hard look at that with data. There are different communities that are involved in our criminal justice system who are overrepresented. We know that for a fact. We see it. And oftentimes, I'm not sure that we've in the past been willing to take a hard look at the data to see what are those degrees of overrepresentation. Um, And what I see happening today, at least in the judiciary um, in, in Texas, is 
really a willingness to really peel back the layers and see what does the data show as far as the effect on different groups and the disparities that are there and, and what can we do about it, whether it be in the child protective system, uh, child welfare system, we've been looking at that, the, um, the uh, truancy system, the uh, children involved in the juvenile justice system, all the way up to the criminal justice system. I think it's really important for us to take a look at that and obviously making sure that people are being treated from the beginning of their involvement in the system all the way through the end is um, important. And I think procedural fairness plays a big part in that. And what is the data telling us? Well, I think the data is is um, is revealing what, what we know, which we, we know anecdotally, which is that there is indeed overrepresentation of certain groups. And, you know, I, I look in particular to a study that was done a few years ago that has had tremendous impact in our state, which was a report called Breaking Schools Rules. It was done by the Council of State Governments Justice Center and the mm-hmm. Public Policy Research Institute from Texas A&M. And it looked at about a million kids um, in our school system here in the state and basically what their involvement was in the school ticketing for minor offenses. Mm-hmm. And what the report found is that, you know, number one, that there was overrepresentation of minorities, but even disparity in the treatment of those minorities for similar-based offenses with all other factors equalized, their educational background of the parents, to the uh, income, to uh, school district, to even school campus level, if we if we equalized all of those things, uh, the factor that still showed as uh, differentiation in the way that they were treated was oftentimes race. Besides race, we also saw an issue with individuals who had disabilities being overrepresented and the, and the treatment being different. And so what that led to was really a real focus and a real effort to try to reform and put in place reforms that would help address that. And, you know, it's a really exciting thing to be able to see the data show that and then to ha- take action based upon that. Are there specific practices of procedural fairness that can actually address some of these disparities that we're talking about? You know, one of the things that's really important is the training that we've been, and I want to talk about this today too, is the training that we've been doing with judges on implicit bias. Um, mm-hmm. We know it exists. We know human as humans, we have our biases. Mm-hmm. And I think the it's sort of like the step one of AA, understanding that, admitting that you have a problem is sometimes the number one. And I think a lot of times just for um, judges and court staff and and prosecutors and defense attorneys to realize that they have implicit bias um, is an important factor. And then controlling that with, with tools to make sure they can overcome those um, those natural biases that exist. And so I think that's, number one, the training behind that is really important. And then number two, really trying to overcome that by making sure that we have, you know, things like uh, community courts and drug courts, making sure that the people who are on the bench and in the courtroom look and act like we do, that speak mm-hmm. the same language that we do. All those types of things, I think, are really important to making sure that people really do feel that the system is fair and that they're not going against someone who is very different than them, speaks a very different language from them, and therefore they don't feel that they're getting treated as as fairly as they should. Are there any interesting initiatives in the state of Texas that you can talk about? Um, One of the things that that I'm going to talk about today, um, when I was the court administrator in Lubbock County, which is a medium-sized county in West Texas, um, Mm -hmm. the judges there really felt like it was important to ask the people who were coming before them how they felt about the the job the judges were doing. In fact, they labeled it judge judge the judges. Um, And so everyone who went before the judges was asked to give um, to answer a survey about their interactions with the with the um, judges that day, and some of the questions that they asked were, you know, first of all, was you know finding the courthouse easy? Did I have the the forms that I needed? Did I feel safe? Was I able to do my business in a reasonable amount of time? 
uh, and where the hours that the court was was open, did that make it easy for me to conduct my business? Because oftentimes that can be an issue. But then it went a step further, and for those individuals who actually appeared before a judge, it asked them the following questions, or they were asked to grade on these statements, which is, the judge listened to my side of the story before the decision was made. The judge had information necessary to make a good decision. I was treated as everyone else, and as I leave, I know what to do next. And what we we did was we asked everyone who was leaving the courthouse that had been before judge, how do you feel about this? And we got some really great feedback. Um, we asked, you know, information on the survey about demographics and what type of case it was and, and which court uh, level they went before and really started to get some information that allowed us to drill down into the feelings of different individuals who were coming before the courts. And it gave the judges valuable feedback as to how they could um, address the issues that might be a concern for the public. And so uh, that's one example. Uh, we've seen some other courts in the state also replicate that survey, and I think it's uh, really just helping us to use that information to make positive changes within the court system. When it comes to procedural fairness, there are sometimes skeptics who suggest that perceptions of fairness have very little to do with actually adjudicating and also take up a lot of time that judges and others don't necessarily have. Are there ways that you address that skepticism? You know, I, I'm going to say this today, and I think it's it's in this day and age really true that the public sees the court system through the lens of the entire system, the mm -hmm. entire criminal justice system. So if you have police brutality, or you have a wrongful conviction, or you have an issue in uh, the defense side or the prosecution side, it's all the court system in mm -hmm. people's eyes. And so I think we have to think about this with our partners in the criminal justice system as a system-wide issue that we have to address. And if we don't do that, I'm not sure we really make a real difference. And so, you know, I think that's that's the key, is really looking at that from the, the system-wide perspective and then making changes based upon that. What are some of the most urgent challenges facing procedural justice? Justice, particularly as it pertains to dealing with some of the racial disparities that we're seeing across various platforms and institutions in the country right now. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this today. You know, one of the real issues that I see mm -hmm. is the whole issue of community engagement. Um, I've, I've been talking with, at the state level, with the Chief Justice and others about the, the need for us to really do a better job of engaging with the community. Mm -hmm. You know, in the past when we've looked at judges doing community engagement, it's been going to the Rotary or going to, you know, the Bar Association mm -hmm. and speaking. And I'm not sure that's exactly the type of community engagement that is most beneficial. Mm -hmm. And we need to figure out a way to get into different communities across our um, state and in mm -hmm. our local communities and have discussions about how do you feel about the court system? What do you think the challenges are that, you know, how can we better connect? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's one of the, the biggest things. I think the, the second thing in my mind um, that we could do better is to be even more transparent. You know, we're doing our best to be transparent, but there's even more we can do. For instance, we have limitations in our data. If, if someone asks me for racial disparity data, I have limitations in what I can say. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're doing some work at the state level to try to get more data that's more granular that we can be able to really take a look and study these issues a little bit better. Um, you know, and then the last thing I would say is really um, opening up our records from a perspective so that anybody can see the, see what's going on. Um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, is this is this a real issue? Is this a perception issue? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Perception is reality. And so I think making sure that people can actually 
uh, validate or not their mm-hmm. their assumption is really important and so that transparency I think is really key. Great. David, thanks so much. Thank you for having me today. I'm Avni Majitia Sejpal and I've been talking to David Slayton at Reinvesting in Justice about racial disparity and the need for procedural fairness. To listen to more New Thinking podcasts or to learn more about our work, you can visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.